Welcome to Up the Union podcast. I'm Dan Hames and I'm speaking with Tony Ranke about the subject of his new book, John Newton. Tony, why don't you give us a bit of Newton's biography? What's his story? How has God at work in his life? Yeah, I'll do my best. Um, You know, no matter how you look at it, Newton's entire ministry orients around his autobiography. So I I didn't write a biography myself, but it's helpful to get a sketch of his life. And there is a great biography out there by uh, Jonathan Aitken. Uh, it's titled John Newton from Disgrace to Amazing Grace. It's very, very good. Newton's entire life could be made into an HBO miniseries. Mini I don't know if you've seen the miniseries uh, that was made about John Adams, but that could definitely be, you know, an eight-hour drama of Newton's life. It is just, it is amazing from beginning to end. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't know how to boil it down. Um, you know, he's born in he's born in July of 1725. Um, to a mother who fears the Lord, a father who really is uh, ambivalent, couldn't care less really about religion. His mom died when he was seven years old. And by the time he was 10 years old, his father believed that he had had enough formal education and it was time now for him to uh, join him on the sea. So his father, you know, was a was a, a, a ship captain. He, he was on the seas. And so by age 10, John Newton gets pulled out of school and he'll never have formal education beyond age 10. Um, he he meets his his future wife when he's 17 Polly is her name she's only 13 so he's got visions of marriage uh, from this very early date uh, unfortunately what happens is uh, that there's a war going on and Newton is press ganged and forced to serve in a naval ship in the Royal Army and uh, so he would get his first taste of war there it would also pull him away from Polly uh, so he would be out on the sea for about five or six years uh, he did not like this. He he absolutely hated being on the ship. He hated authority. Um, his sins, his debauchery, are pretty well known. He he had a wicked tongue, a wicked heart, and boy, any time any kind of naval authority tried to tell him what to do, uh, he he would uh, he he hated it. And so the naval ship essentially would trade him later on, and uh, he would he would join a, a slave trading ship. Uh, in Sierra Leone, and so he would start working uh, in the west coast of Africa. Uh, essentially, the naval ship wanted to get rid of him. He was a good trade, and uh, started working uh, in Sierra Leone. Uh, from there, I mean, the the big things that happen to him, he's he's essentially put into uh, subjection into slavery uh, by a black African princess. He he says her name is pronounced P.I. That's how you'd say her name. It's like P.I. And he was treated in a way that he thinks, he as he looks back, is subservient to the slaves that he saw. And so he gets a taste of what slavery is like. He's part of the slave trade at this point, not as a captain, but just in sort of working in the industry. And he gets a taste of what that slavery is like for about 18 months. Uh, it's a horrible time. He's cut off from his family. He is stuck in, uh, he calls it his African Egypt. Uh, he is, uh, he's treated worse than a slave. Emotionally, he's mistreated. Physically, he's mistreated. Um, and his father finds out, sends a ship, he gets saved. Uh, 
physically saved out of that situation. On the way home uh, on the Greyhound ship, he nearly drowns in a major storm. This happens in March of 1747, so he's 22 years old at this point, and uh, nearly dies at sea. This is the sort of the big turning point in his life. He comes face to face with death. He realizes his sinfulness is deep and profound. His rebellion against God is very serious and worthy of all judgment. And uh, he f- that the ship limps to Ireland, and so he does not drown, obviously. And uh, he he he's changed forever by this moment, by this climactic experience. It's not necessarily his conversion; that's going to come about a year later. But it is a great day of he calls it his great day of turning. It's a it's an eye opening experience, and he becomes a seeker, if if you could use that language. Uh, he he hasn't closed with Christ. He doesn't understand the gospel yet. The gospel hasn't taken a hold of his heart yet. Um, but he's moving in that direction at age twenty two. From this point, then he becomes a slave ship captain. Uh, he runs three uh, slave ships as the captain. He's uh, so he's converted in 1749, somewhere in in that year. Uh, the next year, he marries Polly. Uh, so he's married. Uh, he is a, a young budding Christian. Uh, he's also again he's a slave trade ship captain. Uh, he leaves on his first voyage in 1750, second voyage in 1752, his third and final voyage is in 1753. And then when he's back home after his third um, slave ship captain run, right before he turns 29 years old, he has out of the blue an epileptic seizure and that ends his life at sea. Um, and so that's all he's known since age 10. Between age 10 and 29, he's been on the sea with his dad. That's all he knows. And now he's unemployed. He can't do that anymore. Uh, so it's, his life gets shaken up. Uh, he's married. He's unemployed. Uh, he starts making some good connections. He meets with George Whitfield. Um, John Wesley uh, becomes a, a friend of his. And eventually he'll take, uh, he'll take a job in Liverpool as the uh, senior customs official. Uh, so as the ships come in and out, he is there to inspect. He's there to collect taxes, port fees, and 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 so forth. So Liverpool is his hometown. It's also the richest slave ship. Uh, it's also the richest slave port in all of England. Um, it's seventy percent of its ships are in the the slave trade. So there's lots of money. He's got a very good job at this point. Um, but he's not happy with just having this job. He wants to get into ministry. And by the time he turns 33, he knows God has called me to pastoral ministry. So he puts together his resume. He goes to the Church of England and says, I want to be a pastor. They look at his resume, no formal education past age 10, and they laugh and say, no way, you're not going to be a pastor in the Church of England. And so, but he's convinced, he knows God has called him to be a pastor. And so it takes almost six years of him pressing and using all of the relational leverage that he has with different people that he knows. And he finally becomes a pastor in the Church of England, but not until the age of, he's almost 39. So Newton doesn't become a pastor until about age 39. So he and his wife moved from Liverpool to Olney, which is about 60 miles north of London. And at this point, Newton's story is pretty much a secret. Uh, One of his friends had asked him to write out his biography, his autobiography, in a series of letters, which Newton did, a series of 13 letters that he gave to his friend. His friend passed them on to another friend and another friend. That's kind of how letters worked in, in the day. They were a sort of social media. And uh, there was so much interest in those 13 letters, this autobiography that Newton wrote, 
that uh, a publisher contacted him and said, hey, we, we want to publish this. And they called it an authentic narrative. And that was published three months into his first pastorate. Um, Newton says the moment that book went public, he became a celebrity. So his autobiography became an instant international bestseller. Um, and so he's pastoring in this little town of Olney uh, with a lot of uh, people who struggle with depression, alcoholism. Uh, is a very downtrodden people, very uh, overworked, uh, undernourished people. And here was now like one of the biggest celebrity converts, biggest celebrity pastors in all of England. And he said he would walk down the street and people would, would just stare at him from the other side of the street. They would just just walk past and just staring at him like he was a, like he was something out of a, out of a carnival. I mean, he was just like overnight. He is like, who is this guy? And he becomes this, uh, you know, this, this celebrity pastor. And so, in only he uh, he makes a lot of great friendships. He meets the Wilberforce family. Uh, he gets to know William Wilberforce. Uh, so Newton's forty years old. William Wilberforce is about eight years old when they meet. So big disparity in ages. Meets William Cooper, the poet. They begin writing hymns together, um, and it's a very fruitful time. He eventually is offered a job. Uh, after 16 years, he's offered a job uh, to pastor a church in the financial district of London, and he takes that pastorate, and he moves. So age 54, he takes over a new pastorate. Uh, a couple of years later, he publishes his letter to Cartaphonia. Um and then there's there's really a gap then of a number of years until he and William Wilberforce kind of team up to to put an end to the the British slave trade. Uh, that happens when Newton's about 62. He takes up the pen and writes out his eyewitness testimony. He also appears um, he also appears before the House of Commons to testify about the African slave trade and its brutality. He does that in February of 1788. Uh, Polly, his wife, his beloved wife, uh, dies when when Newton is 65. So Newton's going to live as a widow for about 17 years, and uh, he he is finally done with pastoral ministry at age 81. So he pastors for about 42 and a half years, and uh, when he's on his deathbed, he's pretty much confined to to um, his deathbed when he hears that the British slave trade had been ended, and that happens in uh, February of 1807 which would have been just incredible news to his ears. And then he passes away uh, a few days before Christmas in 1807. So that's that's a just a, a sweeping sketch of his life. And, you know, his biography is very, very, uh, it just contains so many twists and turns and so much drama, you know. And, and it's, it's, like I said, it's, it's worth an HBO miniseries of eight hours just to, to present it. But I think what oftentimes get, gets missed is those 42 and a half years of pastoral ministry. That's when he is trying to, he's caring for, for souls. He's writing letters, lots of letters. And uh, that to me is sort of the neglected, forgotten aspect of his ministry. And so what I've tried to do is, is go into his letters. There's about a thousand of them that have been published uh, over the years and to try and pull out the, the pastoral wisdom that he has to offer us. Well, next time we will be digging into Newton as a pastor and hearing about his letters and advice, the kind of pastoral care that comes from a man whose life has been so radically turned around by the Lord. So make sure you're listening again to Up the Union Podcast. <laughs>